All right, who loves a summer barbecue as much as I do? Listen, if you want to impress everyone with some super yummy dishes, you need ButcherBox in your life. ButcherBox is my go-to subscription box that delivers high-quality meat and seafood to your door with free shipping always. And I'm talking high-quality cuts at an amazing value. 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. We are saving so much money every month with ButcherBox over going to the grocery store and buying meat and seafood and saving a lot of time. But get this, last month we saved nearly $200. I also love that ButcherBox curates these tips and recipes that are based on your box so you know what to cook. I made the most amazing steak with a basil sauce the other night. And oh, let me tell you, my friends all raved at how amazing it tasted. I'm definitely going to be pulling that recipe out. If you want great meat and seafood in your life, you need ButcherBox. Sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com etm and use code etm at checkout and enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year, plus get $20 off. Again, that's butcherbox.com etm and use code etm. All set for your flight? Yep, I've got everything I need. Eye mask, neck pillow, T-Mobile, headphones. Wait, T-Mobile? You bet. Free in-flight Wi-Fi. 15% off all Hilton brands. I never go anywhere without T-Mobile. Same goes from a water bottle, chewing gum, nail clippers, okay, passport. Okay, I'm gonna leave you to it. Find out how you can experience travel better at T-Mobile.com slash travel. Qualifying plan required. Wi-Fi were available on select U.S. airlines. Deposit and Hilton Honors membership required for 15% discount. Terms and conditions apply. I get it. Investing is like this crazy, out-of-this-world experience. You don't know what you're doing. You're just picking funds, and somehow you're trying to figure out whether the name sounds good, whether it's a fund that you should be invested in, or maybe your boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse is talking about some amazing stock, and they're like, hey, you know what? We should put all of our money into this stock. And you're like thinking, wait a minute. What are you talking about? I don't even understand how stocks work, let alone why would I even put all of my money into it? Well, you have sent in some amazing Ask Shauna questions all about investing. And so for this podcast episode, I just cherry picked my top three subjects that we have not talked about. So you're going to learn a little bit about the difference between passive versus active investing. Hey, we're going to talk a little bit about cannabis stocks. What? And then we're going to dive into why in the world you would consider investing more into your 401k. I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money. And today we're talking, I need help with my investing strategy and other burning investing questions with Doug Bonaparte. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. This episode of Millennial Money is brought to you by Lincoln. Stay tuned to hear more about the well connected 2019 Lincoln MKC. You're not going to want to miss this. Now, on to the podcast episode. I know I say it all the time, but the cool part about doing this podcast is to be able to interact with you and to answer your questions and to 
challenge myself to think about money in a little different way and even deliver it to you in a different way. And so I'm always looking at your questions and trying to think about different angles to answer the question or different things to think about because I know that a lot of the questions resonate differently depending on the place you are in your life, how much money is in your bank account, your goals, what you're trying to achieve. And so hopefully through the Ask Shauna questions, there's little bits and pieces in each of them that you can cherry pick out and throw out the rest, like throw out what doesn't work for you, but find the little gems, the little things like, oh, I didn't know that, or oh, maybe I could try to apply that to my own money situation and just, I don't know, see what happens. And like I said in the intro, there are so many questions about investing. The whole thrust of this podcast could be about investing, except that would probably bore me to tears because there's way more to talk about in regards to your money and the life you want to live than just investing. It's, of course, a really central part because your money has to grow in a positive direction. It just can't stay in your bank account or even in your high yield savings account. It it is earning interest, but certainly not near the amount of interest that you need to earn in order to be able to stop working one day or have options. Maybe you want to buy an island in Tahiti that sounds amazing. I would like to do that. I'm not I'm not sure that that will actually pan out well for me unless I win the lottery, but I could daydream about that, right? Ugh. Or I I have this obsession with burgers and fries. Like it is really <laughs> it's probably an unhealthy obsession. I could probably eat burgers and fries for every single meal. Throw out the fancy restaurants. Those are all well and good, but give me like a well-cooked burger with the most amazing bun, like hand-cut french fries with like the perfect amount of salt and pepper and some amazing ketchup and you totally have me. That is my very 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 favorite meal. How did I get on this tangent about burgers and french fries anyway? <laughs> oh yeah, back to the uh, the island. So probably if I had all the money in the world, I would go to every amazing burger restaurant and I would try their burger. And I'd come up with some crazy ranking system or maybe even a podcast, a whole podcast about burgers and fries. Does that not sound amazing? Okay, okay. Focus, Shauna. <laughs> back to money. So the point is that there are so many different questions that we have about investing. And I feel like no matter whether you're a CFP or you're just somebody trying to invest, we all have questions and we all have blind spots and we all have things that we we don't know or that are really tricky for us. And we're trying to figure them out. And I don't know all the answers to the investing questions because that's not my area of expertise. I'm a financial planner. I know a lot about budgeting, saving, growing your money, paying off debt, protecting the risks, all of those sorts of things. And I turn to other people actually to help me with investing. And so for this episode, I thought, you know, we've got three amazing questions. And I wanted to do a podcast with my friend and fellow certified financial planner, Doug Bonaparte. He's my, he's the, literally the East Coast version of me. <laughs> I'm on the West Coast. 
And we think so much alike when it comes to money, when it comes to personal finance, financial literacy, the money mindset, all of those pieces. We think so much alike. So I thought, hey, why not have somebody else on the podcast helping answer the Ask Shauna questions about investing that you have and see if maybe he has a little bit different take or something that might resonate differently with you. And it's just, it's always such a pleasure to have a fellow financial planner on the podcast because it's fun to see how much a lot of us do think alike or how much we approach thinking about money in the same manner. And that's great for you because that means there's a lot of content being put out by very like-minded people that really understand how important financial literacy is and understand that you know we have to share these concepts in so many different mediums in order to hit everybody you know maybe if you're not a podcast listener you love to read articles or watch videos whatever it may be for you hopefully there's other ways other than just listening to this podcast as well that you're consuming financial literacy content so without further ado I don't want to drag on this intro for too long just wanted to set up that my dear friend Doug is going to be with me and I think this is going to be a fun episode where you're going to learn a lot about investing and then you're also going to learn that hey us certified financial planners we're amazing at financial planning but we turn to other people when we've got really tough investing questions or even when we're trying to figure out what in the world we should invest in. So welcome back to the podcast, Doug. I always love having a fellow CFP. I think it's super fun to talk about some of these questions and bat them back and forth uh, with, you know, somebody somebody like-minded. <laughs> Thanks for having me here. It's always good to work with you. So I wanted to chat, you know, I got three interesting listener questions and the listeners always love when we go into some detail about these. And I feel like no matter how many podcasts I do about investing, you know, there are just, there's so many questions and, you know, it's kind of like this dark fog that a lot of people have where maybe they feel like they know what they're doing and then they read an article or they hear a podcast or something and they're like, wait a minute, maybe I don't know what I'm doing, you know, and they, they start to have like a little bit of a confidence shake. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Investing for most people is emotional. So we're, we're designed to read an article or a headline or hear something and then get all like messed up in our minds about whatever it was we were thinking, you know, about the investing because it's tied to your money. That's, that's how it works. That's how it works. And it's, it's very emotional. So this first one is from Ben. It's a little long, but I thought this would be a great place to start. So Ben says, uh, Hey, Sean, I've heard from many podcasters and advisors that indexed fund investing is the way to go. I understand the positive low fees, um, active funds don't always beat the index. The market is at least somewhat efficient. Also, the negatives, uh, lack of downside protection, et cetera, et cetera. I absolutely love the idea and philosophy of passive uh, index investing. However, I continually second guess myself because I see the data that some fund companies have commonly beat market returns for over 49 year periods, specifically American funds. I'm also in a Facebook group. I followed Dave Ramsey for a long time. Both have greatly been in favor of American funds. I don't want to lump all active funds together because typically as a whole, active funds lose to the index, but American funds have shown its pretty routine outperformance. All that being said, is this company different enough to add in addition place of index funds? 
I guess what I'm really asking, though, is active investing becoming more favorable with these volatile markets. So, Doug, I'd love to hear from you. You know, I know that's like that's a beefy one. (laughs) But, you know, how does somebody who is who is thinking about this figure out, you know, pros and cons between active investing, index investing? You know, where do they start? Sure. So in this case, you have a listener who is extraordinarily educated. The way that they laid out those questions just demonstrates that they have a lot of depth in understanding this area. So I'm going to I'm going to tackle it from that angle, okay? And a a good place to start for this particular listener is, you know, they're struggling in adopting an investment philosophy that works for them. And they're trying to figure out, is this one better than the other? And now they're feeding into basically an argument that I don't think will ever stop. You know, um, researchers on both sides, the active versus passive argument, you know, have been awarded plenty of merit for their research and their studies into this. And you can pick out a fund over, you know, some that have outperformed, some that haven't. You could feed either argument, quite frankly. The the soup du jour is all the things he mentioned regarding why passive investments are so attractive or investing passively is so attractive. And then all of a sudden you you see things, whether it be American funds or any other person capable of outperforming over any statistically significant period of time. Yeah, naturally you start to guess yourself. So if there's merit on both sides, if you can't quite say, you know, definitively one is better than the other, what do you do? Well, I think you have to make a decision again of what your preference is and how you feel as an investor. If you can't do that, there's nothing stopping you from perhaps playing both. You know, um, yeah. over the long term, my feeling is this: over the long term, if you're doing planning and you know what you need to reach your goals, in this case, let's talk about you know it's being retirement or financial independence. And, you know, you can't make up your mind. Doesn't really matter in this case if you're allocated properly and you're being disciplined and you're not doing the things that will shoot you in the foot, like panicking when the market is low. You know, if you're dollar cost averaging a comparable portfolio of, you know, whether it be, you know, American funds, ETFs or whatever, you know, you think is, is going to deliver that performance on the active side. That might that might work for you. I would I would be less concerned and on this particular thing and more you know focused on actually getting the savings done. And I have no doubt that this individual is is doing a good job at that. But just could double down on that, you know, and again start to develop your philosophy and stick to it. Um, I, I don't want them feeling like they're going to run afoul if they're doing everything else right. For sure. Yeah. And and don't you think, I mean, you kind of alluded to this, but, you know, certainly in your practice, I know I've seen this in mind that people can get in the place where, you know, almost too much information is coming in and it's causing this second guess- guessing, even if they, you know, they have an investment philosophy and they're on track, you know, I mean, this is just part of human nature, is it not? It certainly is. This is what we're trying to deal with, you know, not just in financial decisions, but in many other decisions in our life with our children, with our families and things like that. It takes practice. It takes patience. It takes discipline. And you can work on all of those things. 
all of those things are something that you can, you know, apply effort to and get better at doing. And for a lot of investors, certainly millennial investors um, who haven't had money or risk on their money during 2008 and 2009, um, I don't know anything more than you know or anyone else does about what's around the corner. Um, things are pretty good right now, but there'll be lessons had, you know, as people start to experience more of the emotional stuff that comes with down markets, recessions, things like that. And you can add that to your, you know, experiential tool belt, so to speak. It's going to shape your relationship with money. So I love this question. I love what they, I love the research and the due diligence that they've done. It's quite impressive. But double down on savings and making sure what you're doing is being applied towards your financial goals. And don't worry so much about active versus passive at this particular moment. Um, and I think it'll be just fine. So tell me, what are your money goals that you have for this year? Maybe you're like me and, and endlessly looking for a house to buy and you're focused on saving for a down payment or you're drooling over traveling somewhere tropical this year and you want to save to pay for it or you're ready to leave your job and build your own business. So you're going to need some startup funds. Whatever your goals are this year, Monarch can help you reach them. In fact, the Wall Street Journal named Monarch the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress towards financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. What I love about Monarch is its simple and easy customizable design, so the dashboard can look exactly the way you want it to. I'm also a big fan of creating custom budgets for things like travel. It's one of my favorite money tips. And Monarch lets you do this so easily. This is such a great way to stay motivated when you've got a lot of money goals. You can easily track your progress with every dollar that you save or spend. Remember, your brain loves to see progress and you should celebrate it when you're saving money. And honestly, I am so focused on privacy, so I really admire that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties. This means a lot to me and it should mean a lot to you as well. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of the show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. I have to tell you about my new obsession, Notion, our sponsor today. Notion has single-handedly changed how I do life for the better. I use Notion for all my daily journaling so I can keep it all in one spot. I also keep all our favorite recipes that are budget-friendly in Notion so I can easily sort and find the ones I love and easily create fast grocery list. And okay, one of the best uses of Notion, you can create a template for your money dates and track your goals right in Notion. Seriously, Notion is a game changer. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but really getting inspired. It's an AI-powered workspace. It turns knowledge into action. You can use Notion to summarize meeting notes and auto-generate action items, get answers to questions in minute, and you can make all of your money tasks so much easier. Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, freelance designer, starting a new startup, a student juggling classes and clubs, or just somebody really wanting to get your life together. 
Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash etm. That's all lowercase letters. Notion.com slash etm and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you're supporting our show. Notion.com slash etm. I know I'm a bit biased, but honestly, I think I have the best dog ever. Her name is Winnie Stardust. She is a golden mountain doodle and she is full of spunk and fun and she's never met a ball she does not love. I honestly, I would do anything for Winnie and she has enriched my life so much. I can confidently say Winnie is absolutely one of the most priceless purchases I have ever made. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. In today's world, we insure a lot, from cars and homes to cell phones and even travel plans. But what about insurance for your cat or dog? With ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. This is what I call smart spending because, let's be real, those vet bills, they can be expensive. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program, they've been around for about 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure your pet's plan is unique as they are. Because vet bills, they can really add up, especially when you are least expecting it. It's simple. You use their app to submit a claim, and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTC Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Can a vehicle connect the inside with the outside world? Introducing the well-connected 2019 Lincoln MKC, equipped with a 4G LTE Wi-Fi hotspot that allows up to 10 devices to connect at once through Lincoln Connect. Learn more at lincoln.com slash wondery. Available via iPhone with Sync 3 with software version 3.0. Commands may vary by phone and AppLink software. Don't drive while distracted. Use voice-operated systems when possible. Don't use handheld devices while driving. iPhone is a trademark of Apple Inc. registered in the U.S. and other countries. Uh, okay, we've got we've got question number two. This comes from Liz, and I I this question made me immediately think. You know, we've got to have Doug on the podcast because. I just started watching your little Twitter series that you've been doing uh, around Wall Street. And, uh, you know, you talked a little bit about in the last episode about cannabis stocks, in particular Teal Ray. And 
it was really bizarre. You know, one of those moments where like you look something up online and then suddenly it shows up in your email or phone. (laughs) And uh, I got this question from Liz and I thought this one would be super fun. So Liz says, hey, Shauna, been listening for a while and love all the investing podcast episodes because I I feel like I'm constantly confused. I've got a few friends that are super interested in investing in cannabis, obviously, and they've mentioned stocks like Tilray. Honestly, I have no idea what any of that means. My boyfriend said it would be smart for us to invest in some cannabis stocks outside of our 401k, just in case they really take off. But again, I don't know what I'm doing, and I just feel like putting all my money into something I don't know about is probably not a good idea. So I'm just going to ask you, are cannabis stocks the next great thing or just a fad in your opinion? Love it. I love that. Good timing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's so good because those last words, is it the next best thing? Like, th- I've never heard- We can stop there, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, if you're chasing the next best thing, you're almost certain, you're certainly doomed. <laughs> you know, like, that's not going to work out for you. <laughs> You, you never want to be in a, a position of, fee- you know, first of all, there's the feelings around that, you know, now we're kind of separating all of these conversations into, you know, because again, the investment thing is, is an emotional thing, but we're, you know, doing the emotional piece and then the actual like financial piece and seeing how they come together. So please do not have, and, I, and this is for everyone, do not have FOMO over investments. Like that is inherently saying that I am getting emotional over investments. And that's the exact opposite of what we want to be doing. Um, and again, this brings into like, look at, look at the sizzle, look at the hype, look at the media, you know, Tilray specifically, you know, just, yes. after I, just after I posted that first episode of this week on wall street and asked people about Tilray just after that happened, the last guy I interviewed said he thought it was the, the most brilliant short in the world. And literally that day and following Monday, like Tilray came down 50%. <laughs> like everybody, it's almost like everybody knew that was going to happen. It was $30 a year ago. It was $120 this year, up to 260 to three. And it, you know, and, and people were blown away by the stats, $5 billion worth of shares traded hands like that day, you know, and you know, a $25 million revenue company was now worth $27 billion in top hundred of the, you know, of, of the market. It's, it's insane. It was insanity. Everybody knew what was, what was going to happen. However, that's like a specific, you know, stock doing something bonkers. The question is what about cannabis and the cannabis sector and whether this is a good investment and, you know, nothing I'm going to say is, is ever going to be, you know, you're going to want to construe here as advice and, in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, let's, let's kind of unpack that a little bit. So the answer is no. Don't feel like you're, you're missing out. Um, don't chase the next best thing. Focus on savings again. Focus on having that plan and building your discipline around cash flow and savings and building disciplined uh, strategies around investments, typically just uh, asset allocations that uh, pay attention to your appetite for risk, time horizon, and what specific goal. That's going to do it 90 plus percent of the time. Typically, when people want to invest in something that seems speculative, and and this is pretty much in that category, you know, you don't, what makes cannabis speculative, I don't think cannabis is speculative from the point of like, there won't, you know, it's it's, it's legal, 
you know? Yes. It's legal right. in where you are in California. Where I am, yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, medicinal in New Jersey, medicinal. I mean, it's becoming legalized. There's no going you back. You can't, yeah, you can't stop the train. It's happening. It's it's definitely happening. I find it hilarious how, like, our culture views marijuana as, like, reefer madness. That's still there as long as, like, you know, there there's still be older baby boomers and the greatest generation and, and narcs. No, and people who, yeah, and people like that. So um, it's happening, though. The problem is, the problem is, it's it's still it's still new, and it there's a ton, you know, you're seeing its growing pains in a number of ways, and you just kind of saw an instantaneous one in this micro bubble of Tilray pop, and and there's just not a lot of companies to choose. Uh, the future is is fairly uncertain. It's not like you're choosing amongst five, you know, consu- you know, multi billion dollar, you know, hundred billion dollar consumer product companies, you know, paying off a consistent yes. dividend. It's not, you know, it's funny. You know, you can go to like tobacco, like you know, c- cigarette manufacturers, massive, massive companies. You you know what to expect out of them. Like, okay, so in twenty five years, do cannabis companies become you know the next uh, tobacco company? <laughs> Um, maybe, and, and almost likely, you know, if, if it just continues going that way. Um, so yeah, I understand wanting to get in on the infancy and it's a great opportunity. If you looked at tobacco stocks from inception to where we are today, I'm sure you, you made, I just looked at that chart. I think you made just an absolute killing. I think you decimated the S and P 500. I'll, I'll try and find out who, who posted that chart. Um, can the same be said for for cannabis? I don't, I don't you don't you don't have a lot of companies. They're all in Canada, for the most part. Slim pickings, yeah. So that's my take. That's my actual take on it. Like, if you're going to put risk on your money to that extent, accept the responsibility that you know if you're choosing amongst only ten companies that you know are in the cannabis space, and be prepared to know that they might not be around. They might not be the one or number two or number three. You know, they might not even exist. So. Um, that's the kind of risk you're taking, and uh, it's more important to focus on the, the fundamentals. But if you've gotten yourself, how about this? If you've gotten yourself in a position where you can afford to, you know, carve out five percent of your uh, you know, investment portfolio for something opportunistic, and this is where you want to allocate that, um, yeah, maybe maybe you're thinking about taking that kind of risk appropriately. So uh, do as much research as you can, and ultimately make a decision. And feel confident knowing you you only expose yourself to something to a limited degree that you're comfortable with, and that's how it's and that's how it's done. And I think even maybe just taking a step back a little bit because I've gotten this question several times. I'd love to hear your take on it. You know, if somebody who isn't as experienced or is relatively new to just pure stock investing, you know, what would you tell someone, or maybe a few things? They should check out, you know, with a stock to figure out if they can, or if it's smart for them to vest. Are there any, you know, when when you look up something online, you know, I'm just asking this question as, as a listener. You know, there's so many different numbers and so many different different things, and it, it can be, you know, super confusing. So, is there any advice that you have to someone who's like they want to dip their toes in, but they're just not even sure how to evaluate something? Yeah. So you want. <laughs> How do you become an instant analyst? That's uh, <laughs> that should be my that should be someone's next book, some CFA's next book. The instant an- the one minute analyst, the one minute analyst. Yeah, wow. Um, 
I'm going to admit that I'm I'm not the guy necessarily even to be asking about that. I'm such a financial planner, you know. I'm not a trader. I'm probably learning more about you know this side of investing investing now in my career because it just wasn't just wasn't important then. I never needed to do that, and I still don't. But it sure is fun to talk about. Um, you got to encourage, you know, if you're interested in it and you want to learn about it, it's, you can, you can go, for it. it's, it's an endless pit of knowledge in there. Yes. You know, I'm really kind of punting this question because it's not, it's not my thing. And, and I'm not, you know, like I said, but I, but I love that answer even because I think that, you know, a lot of people think that uh, particularly financial planners or CFPs, like automatically are just experts in stock picking or, or, you know, in giving advice about this. And it really goes back to, you know, we rely on our, we rely on experts ourselves, you know, to help us in areas that we aren't as equipped in, uh, you know, which I think, you know, ha- it gives people a more holistic take on what an actual financial planner is. And I think it's awesome to answer a question that way, you know, um, because if that's something you're you're interested in, you know, you can absolutely go out and find, you know, the right person that can help direct you or read the right books or whatever it may be to help you narrow down those pieces. Right. And, you know, again, not to side here that I couldn't, you know, tell you what, you know, price to earnings ratio meant or actually look at the business itself. You know, what did they do? What did they make? What were their earnings last year? I mean, OK, so let's answer some of the question. Are, are they profitable? You know, how do they make their money? What business are they in? How big are they relative in their space? You know, do they have any competitive advantages? Is their product better than others in a certain way that allows them to have future growth or the ability to take on more market share? So you can, you know, you can literally pull this stuff to get a lot of that stuff together from articles specifically about those companies. If they're publicly traded, you can pull up annual reports and take a look at every metric you know, according to gap accounting principles, you ever would want to look at, but you're going to need to know, you're going to need to know what they mean and how to compare them and ask yourself, is that how you want to be spending your time? That feels like a wild Friday night. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I would much rather hire someone or call up my friend who pours over, you know, annual reports, you know, my friends in equity research or, or CFA charter holders that are, are literally doing this day in and day out and become so immune to how awful it is <laughs> um, that they can, you know, it's, it's, it's awful. It's awful. I won't lie. Ugh. All right. So I think this one might be up your alley. This is from Claire and Claire says, hey, Sean, I'll jump right in. I've been investing my 401k up to the match for a few years now, just like you tell us to do. So I feel good about that. But I'm not sure. Should I be investing as much as I can in my 401k? Or should I look at an IRA or a Roth? I know you always say it depends on our situation and our goals. But what would an advantage be to investing more in my 401k above the match? Oh, yeah, this is awesome. And, And I love this question almost more than the other two, or just the same, if not a little bit better. And it, it comes up all the time. So you and I always advise people, you know, as they're focusing on their cash flow and finding out what a comfortable lifestyle is for themselves and therefore understanding what they can consistently save every month. We, we say above, you know, put, put that all off to the side, that really important piece off the side. We know one thing's for sure. If there's free money coming your way, go, go get that. Go get it. You know, go get it. Um, very few exceptions to that. Very few. So now the question is, I want to be able to save more and go beyond that. So full circle back to cash flow, budgeting, cash management, 
because the question that's really being asked there is, can I afford to put more into a retirement savings vehicle, whether it's a 401k IRA or otherwise? And I'll say this right now, if you're planning on putting more than $5,500, you know, into a retirement vehicle, I mean, and, and you have a 401k, clearly, you know, de facto into 401k. So that, that's pretty much true 100% of the time. But the more important piece is that, is it affordable to do so? Is it affordable to put in more that that match? And I got to take you all the way back to goals and say, okay, how did you prioritize that next dollar of available savings? Because you're telling me you now have additional savings beyond the 3%. And my question to you is, well, did you have a cash reserve goal? Are we throwing it all specifically at retirement and financial independence? What about that house you wanted to buy? Where is that dollar going and what's the priority of it? Um, So that's backing up the truck all the way to figure out where are we going to even put this additional dollar? Because when when you say like, hey, everyone's subjective, that's what we're talking about. Everyone is subjective because they all have their own unique goals associated to what it is that they're saving for. And each of those goals has a various timeline associated with it. So you got to answer that question, and it should become then very easy where that next dollar is going to go. Um, and you'll be able to automatically answer this question is, should it go into the 401k above the match? Should it go into my cash reserve? Should 50% go to one and 50% go to the other? Now you have an easy answer in front of you. Very roundabout way to get to that answer, but that's how I view it. Right. So, you know, spending some time to to think about, you know, taking some steps backwards, which we don't always like to do. But, you know, when you can take those steps backwards, then you can figure out potentially the right answer for you or what makes most sense for your situation and your goals. This, I mean, this is a first of all, this is a great thing, a great problem, right, to have happened. Think about how awesome it is that you now have more money that you can save. I mean, that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's definitely worth your while. And even though we might not like to have to go back, I I think it's just part of the process. I talk to clients at every phase of their life. And there's always, always that time where I'm like, let's go back to cash flow. (laughs) Because... (laughs) Womp, womp. I know, you know, I literally told it to a 71 year old retiree. I know I work mostly with millennials, but I work with the parents of of my, of my younger clients. And, you know, here, here I am, the audacity of, of me in my young thirties to tell, you know, someone who's been managing their cash flow and successful at achieving financial independence, you know, that we need to go back and figure out, you know, really look at the numbers, you know, in your first year of retirement, you know, let's find out what you actually spent and get context behind that because I can project all I want in my, my software, but I want to know it. I want to know it's real. And, uh, here we are, you know, 70 years of age saying, let's go all the way back to square one. That's just how it works. And, you know, let's, let's not feel bad about it. Let's feel great about it, that you've earned the right to go back to, the beginning because you're embarking on a, on another phase of your life or something particularly good has happened, like the ability to save more money. Yeah. And I think you brought up another great point too about, you know, that I don't think we give ourselves enough permission that there are certain goals that come up in life. Like you said, buying a house or maybe paying off your student loans, things like that, where maybe you don't put in 
more than the match for a certain period of time because you're looking to fund these other goals. Uh, you know, and I think that we don't talk about that enough that there may be these different phases you go through and that that is okay if that is your plan and it's, you know, it's meeting those goals and objectives. Right. That's, you know, something that's extremely important. The fact that these are your goals and yours alone. I lately have become very upset. I don't know if upset's the right word, but like it's been rubbing me the wrong way. Um, the whole, well, this mentality that you should be putting as much as you possibly can, you know, millennials, right, should be putting as much as they possibly can in for retirement. Now you're going to get me to do my rant. This is what you've done. <laughs> yes. Bring it on. Yeah. Bring it on. All right. It's like, okay, so you read these headlines, it's like, you know, either millennials are not saving enough, it's like every younger generation is not saving enough for retirement, or you hear like, you know, your parent always say to you, like, I hope they're putting money away for, you know, their future. And it's just like, I think there's a lot of good intention on that. I think it's perhaps a little antiquated. And, and let me explain what I mean by that. I don't think it's, it's relatable to today so much. I think that millennials, and this is what we're, you know, we're talking about millennials here. I think their priorities have shifted in the fact that there are more challenges on the financial front than maybe existed 30, 40 years ago, or even 20 years ago, um, namely student loans, namely the high cost of living in terms of housing and transportation specifically are, are number one and two of the most expensive things we deal with. Student loans is like number six or seven. Um, you know, number one, number two, and number six, you know, we, we have to deal with those. We also have to deal with the fact that, you know, wages really haven't increased over 40 years um, and still want to buy a house and still want to retire someday and do all the things that, you know, we grew up knowing that we wanted to do. So to come at that with, you know, you should be saving money, you know, in your retirement plan, it's like, that's fantastic. But look, I got like two other more important things I need to deal with before I get there. Like I have to, I have to deal with this student loan debt that's gobbling up my cash flow. I need, I need a data plan for my phone. <laughs> I need to pay for a data plan and all of these things. To like, you can't exist without a smartphone today. I think you just can't. You cannot do that. Like grandma and grandpa did not need a data plan. They were just fine. The economy in the world did not dictate that they needed, and certainly the technology didn't exist that they needed that. And like today you do. And there's like these other, you know, granted, it creates a slippery slope into thinking we need a lot of other things. I'm sure a lot of people, you know, on the frugal or fire side of things say, hey, you can, you can cut out just about anything. OK, at the sacrifice at the sacrifice of great comfort. So, yeah, I think, you know, a lot of these surveys and headlines about millions aren't saving for retirement, you know, ignore ignore the financial realities of millennials. And I usually just, you know, go Ugh, off to the side you go. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I see it in practice every day. So yeah, yeah. No, I love that. And I think that, you know, I feel like it's important to get that message out. And whether that is the right decision for you, if you're listening or not, like that is your decision to make. But feeling like, you know, you don't have to buckle under the pressure all the time or that you won't necessarily be prepared for, you know, this time of retirement, you know, there, there's an element of it that you do kind of need to throw to the side and, and look at your own life and look at the, you know, what you're dealing with right in front of you. And I, I just feel like it's great to have these conversations because a lot of people, especially millennials, 
only hear one side of the equation and they don't know where to go to hear anything different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they hear it. The place they go to is, is your podcast and the awesome content, you know, that's being put out there by, by you know, good people who want to educate um, you know, the public society the right way. And I'm here to tell you, you know, I'm here to tell your listeners, you know, please, please don't don't get caught up in the fear of missing out of of investing, of putting money away for retirement because you have more important things to you. And I mean, serious things, you know, not like, you know, I guess if, you know, you're serious about becoming, you know, the next American idol, I'm not going to make fun of you, but, you know, (laughs) but, you know, you're, you're getting your financial, you know, puzzle together is, is critical to just succeeding. So don't feel bad if, if someone, you know, from, from an unrelatable place is saying you should be doing this, you should be doing that. You, you get to say what it is that you should be doing that gets you further along in helping you achieve great things in life. Yeah, exclamation point on that one. Well, Doug, it is always fun to have you on the podcast. Uh, you're an author of an amazing book called The Millennial Money Fix. I can't plug it enough. Um, but I would love for you to tell listeners, you know, where can they find you? Where can they find the book? And, you know, where could they contact you if they wanted to work with you? Yeah, three ways to do that. You know, I, I'm addicted to Twitter, so you can find me at Doug Bonaparte. You can check out Bonafide Wealth. That's my firm. It's website, bonafidewealth.com, B-O-N-E. And what's the other one? I mean, you can Google the name. I'm sure you'll get it. Come follow. Come, come play along. Big thanks again to Lincoln for sponsoring this episode of Millennial Money Podcast. Want to learn more about the awesome Well-Connected 2019 Lincoln MKC? I bet you do. Head on over to lincoln.com slash Wondery and join us back here next Tuesday for a fresh episode of Millennial Money Podcast. (laughs) 